topic that the Lord has led me to choose today is the foolishness of the cross. Can we turn to to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 18. In fact, to really understand what Paul is really saying in 1 Corinthians 1.18, let us move up to verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the church at Corinth. There was a church at Corinth. Paul writes to this church and he says that in the church I speak to you that all of you speak the same thing. You know what that means? That means everyone confesses the same thing. Everyone believes in the same thing, the same cross, the same salvation. And there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That there be no divisions among you, but that all of you be joined in the same mind. That you all have the same kind of thinking, the same mind of Christ, the same understanding of salvation. Let's try and see what Paul is really trying to say. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now, The church in Corinth was not one church. There were many small, small communities that would meet up. They would meet up in different houses and they would spend their time the way we are doing it every Sunday. Only they would do it every day sometimes. Okay? Anybody wants to come for a church meeting every day? People find it difficult, right? But they would do it every day. If you read in the Acts of the Apostles, they would meet daily, singing praises, sharing the word, and breaking bread. Daily. Okay. And so he says that some of the people, the church that met at Chloe's house, they had said that there are contentions among you. What contentions? Let's see. Verse 12. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You see, way back then, more than 1900 years ago, the church already had problems. What was the problem? They looked to a human leader. They loved the human leader. So they said, Paul is our leader, we're going to follow Paul. Some people said, Apollos is our leader, we're going to follow Apollos. Some people said, Peter is our leader, Cephas is our leader, we're going to, we're going to follow Cephas, we're going to follow Peter. Some people said, we are of Christ, we don't have any leader. Each one had their own issues, each one had their own problems. They all followed human leaders. That's the problem. That's the problem. We love human leaders. It gives us a sense of security the moment there is a human leader. So the Catholics look to the Pope as their human leader. They feel that that is who they are going to follow. But the problem is this. 
If you are going to put your trust, you have to follow the leader, but if you are going to put your trust in a human leader, you will be cheated. You will be cheated. Why? The word of God says in Jeremiah 17:9 that the heart is deceitful above all things. You know what that means? Your heart can cheat you. Your own heart can cheat you. If your own heart can cheat you, a human leader can cheat you. So if we meet here and we meet here because of Amit, Amit can cheat you. He's not going to cheat you, but he can cheat you. There is a tendency in him to cheat you because he's human. If he follows his heart and turns away from Christ and starts following his own ambitions, Amit can cheat you. If Amit starts looking at his own heart and looking at his own emotions instead of looking to Christ, Amit can cheat you. Or maybe Amit will not be here tomorrow. Maybe God will send Amit somewhere else. But the issue is, why are you all here? Are you all here because of Amit? Or are you here because of Christ? Are we meeting up here because of me? Or because of somebody else? Or are we meeting up here because of Jesus Christ? What is it that binds us together? What is it that bonds us together? Some of us don't even know the other person properly. And yet we feel that there is a sense of family when we come here. Why? What is it that brings us together here? Because the understanding of what Christ looks at as church is different from human understanding. It's different from human understanding. We want to belong to an organization and we say, I belong to this organization. But that's what Paul is trying to say. It's not about any organization that you belong to. You belong to Christ. You were not baptized into something. You were baptized into Christ. Now those of you who have been baptized by us here, you have not been baptized into Harvest Ministries. You have been baptized into Jesus Christ. Tomorrow if the Lord sends you on mission work to some place, you are not obliged to harvest ministries in that sense, but you are obliged to Christ first. To Jesus Christ first. You are baptized into Christ. What you do with your life is not governed by the church that you are in, but is governed by Christ. We meet up together in this church because we are all of the same mind. We all want to worship God. We all want to learn from his word. We all want to set our lives in order. We all want to be victorious Christians. We don't want to be Christians who are, who are taken for a ride by the enemy every time. We don't want to be Christians who are always defending ourselves. We want to be Christians who are on the offensive. Who, who capture areas for the name of the Lord. We want to be victorious Christians. That's why we meet up. But your belongingness is to Christ. Your belongingness is to Christ. Your belongingness is to Christ. And that's why Paul is very clear here. He says, some say I am of Paul, some say I am of Apollos, some say I am of Cephas, some say I am of Christ. You say none of them say I am of the Roman Catholic Church though. The problem is the Roman Catholic Church is a company that wants to control its people, to follow certain rituals and rules and regulations and ceremonies, follow certain obligations which are not governed by the word of God. 
And so it is not a church at all. It is an institution. Its buildings are not churches. They are temples. They are temples of idols. You can't compare Christianity with the Roman Catholic Church. Roman Catholic Church has gone away from the Lord. It does not follow the word of God. So we are just talking about Christian churches. In Christianity itself, there is such a lot of division, sectarianism. There is such a lot of hatred. Today, if we try and organize a program for some of the churches, the first thing on some of the pastors' minds is this. What about our church members? Are you going to take them away? Are you going to take away our church members? They won't say it out loudly, but it's a big question mark at the back of their heads. Are you going to take away our church members? Are we here? Are we here to maintain a roll call of church members? What are we here for? Why are we going towards the same error of the Roman Catholic Church? Because we missed the point. We've missed the point of what the church was all about. The point of what the church was all about is what Paul speaks later. We've missed the point. We want to belong to a club. But Jesus never wanted to set up a club. Jesus wanted to set up nothing. He wanted to save us. People feel the reason Jesus came is to establish the church. No, 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 no. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to redeem. The output of that redemption is the church. He did not come to form a church. When Jesus came, he says, I've come to save the whole world. Now, in the whole world, there's going to be many, 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 many people who are going to call out to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to be baptized. They're going to leave their idolatry and they're going to follow Christ. A few of them are going to be of a similar heart and mind. Maybe a, a particular person has reached out to them. So they're going to be together and they're going to form one sort of church that meets up together. Maybe some will follow another church. Maybe some will fall, will, will be in another church. Maybe some another. Maybe some another. 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 But are they different churches? No, 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 no. They're all one church because all of them, all these black dots that you see, are people saved by the blood of the Lamb. So are they one church? Yes. But for logistical reasons, they meet up separately. That's perfectly fine. Paul is not against that. That's perfectly fine. Paul is not against that. But what Paul is against is this. He's saying each of these small groups that are there, I'm not against these groups. It is needed for logistical reasons that communities meet up together. Fine. But I'm not against that, he says. What I'm against is people are saying, I am more important because Paul is my pastor. I am more important because Apollos is my pastor. I am more important because Cephas is my pastor. I am more important because somebody else is my pastor. Do you understand? That is what Paul is trying to talk against. Paul is also trying to speak about how they have tried to form divisions amongst themselves. They have tried to say, no, I'm more important, you are less important. I'm more important, you are less important. But they are all one. He's not against many people say, see, listen, Paul is trying to say, we can't have so many different churches. They're all supposed to be one. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not stupid. 
That's why he writes a separate letter to Corinthians. He writes a separate letter to Ephesians. He writes a separate letter to Colossians. They're different churches. But what he's trying to say is, even though you all meet up separately, be of the same mind, of the same heart, because all of us have been saved by Christ. See what he says next. Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. You see, you understand why there's such a lot of hatred, why there's such a lot of division amongst different churches. It's because they have not understood the wisdom of God and the cross, the wisdom of the cross. You see, when we try, look at what Paul says here. To preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words. If you try to preach the gospel to any person with the wisdom of words, with your intellect, you're going to find there's not going to be many good results. What does he preach the gospel? Why? He preaches the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we don't preach the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are not going to have good results. See what he says here. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words. What is he trying to say? He said, my most important calling was not baptism, but my important calling was so that I can bring people to baptism. I can preach the gospel to them, but not with the wisdom of words. Not with the wisdom of words. Because if I try to preach the gospel with my own head, with my own wisdom, with my own intelligence then the cross is as good as having no effect. And see what he says next in verse 18. Keeping all this in mind, see what he says in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Think about that. Message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. What is the message of the cross? And why does the Lord want us to focus on this today? What is the message of the cross? He says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Let us look at what the cross is. And what happened. What's so special about the cross and why does it look like foolishness? To those who are perishing. Who are those who are perishing? What's the meaning of perishing? Being destroyed. So who are going to be destroyed? Those who do not. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. They are still sinners in the eyes of God. Right? That's why Paul says the wages of sin is death. Right? They have not accepted Christ. There are on the other side people who have accepted Christ. They have been saved. They have been sanctified. The church. Saints. Right? You and I are saints. Why? Not because we have done something good. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? You and I are saints. Not because there is a statue in our name. <laughs> But because we have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Right? Now, 
the cross is going to look like foolishness to those who are of the world foolishness and i have seen this i've seen this so many times that we've tried to preach the gospel to people on the streets quite often they'll think we have gone mad they think we have gone mad it is foolishness why it seems stupid and one of them said to me he said why would god come down as man die on the cross and then raise from the dead for what reason why such a lot of trouble this is all man's imagination it's a myth he says it's all man's imagination it's a myth it's foolishness he says this doesn't make any sense the message of the cross to the world is foolishness and that's why people try to cover up the message of the cross they try to say see listen this is jesus he is a good teacher he was a he was a hero he was a champion he was a nice guy look at how he lived see what he said he says love one another focus on love focus on caring for one another look at the poor take care of the poor take care of the homeless is that what the message of the cross was about no 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 that's not what the message of the cross was about kithen kelen chesum kursache what did he really do what did he really do and why is it foolishness to the world see what paul says ahead he says for it is written he's quoting isaiah 29:14 i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent if you look at isaiah 29:14 he says therefore i will do a marvelous work among this people a marvelous work in a wonder for the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden you see if i am going to approach this with the wisdom of the world i am never going to understand what the cross is it's just going to be another love story for me it's just going to be another romeo and juliet for me it's just going to be another person who died another bhagat singh who died it's never going to make sense to me completely because my understanding has been hidden my wisdom is limited i will never understand the cross with my own head it's never going to make sense to me it's foolishness look at verse 20 where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this age has not god made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know god it pleased god through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe you see we in this world are trying to make sense with our own head we are trying to make sense with our own intelligence man has tried to make nuclear weapons man has tried to go on the moon 
Man is trying to go on Mars. Man is trying to make the most fuel-efficient car. Man is trying to make the most high-end supercomputer. The best phone. The best this, the best that. Man is trying to use his own head. And with this intelligence, man is trying to understand the cross. Why did Jesus die on that cross? I don't understand. And so some people don't understand it and say, Nice man he was. He's God. He's nice man. We'll say nice prayers to him. We'll be nice people. And we'll, we'll find more people who, who are nice. We'll call them saints. Avinash, help the poor. And one day, one elephant bowed down to him. Let's make him a god. Let's make a statue in his name. Every 1st September, we'll celebrate his feast. Because he did like Jesus did. He died on that cross. And Kiran, Kiran is also a nice man. In his hands, he was carrying the cross and there was blood that was flowing. And so every 21st December, we will make a feast for Kiran and make a statue for him. Jesus died, but we have to do our work. We have to keep doing our rituals. We'll do our rituals, we'll do our ceremonies. We'll do something, we'll do this, we'll do that. Foolishness. Because they've not understood the cross. Some people say, okay, Jesus died on that cross, yes. Um, see? Because of your sin, you killed him. You don't understand? You have killed him. You're just going to sin? Go on sinning? That's what you're going to do? Keep on sinning? No shame you have? So much of hurt you're causing him, see? Don't you see? You're going on sinning? And that poor fellow comes back, he forgives, he leaves, leaves his alcohol, only to come to understand that he has to go to purgatory for a few days, or a few months, or a few years. And then he has to offer masses for all that purification and punishment that he has to face in purgatory. But for the sins that God has already forgiven. You see, not understanding the cross is going to give us purgatory. Not understanding the cross is going to give us idolatry. This is the mess that is going on nowadays. This is the mess. If I don't understand the cross of Christ properly, I'm going to look for other things. I'm going to be maybe an atheist. I'm going to say, Jesus died, Jesus died. We'll do our job. Why do you go to church? Catholic, no tradition is there. Keep going. What is preached there is wrong, but no. So what? That's our tradition. We have to follow tradition. To padri kita sangte the fort mare deva che utra parmane ni te asundi. Chitenche rollo pasai We can't talk about them. We can't talk about. But the name of Christ can be blasphemed. The name of Christ can be belittled. 
That's not the problem. You see, the problem is the moment we put the cross as central to our lives, everything falls in order. Zori Torami, we don't put the cross as the main important center of our lives. Everything is not going to fall in place. There's going to be mess. There's going to be lots of chaos. But the moment we do this, everything falls in place. Everything falls in place. There's no confusion. The only thing that brought some of us out of the church, out of the Catholic church, is when we understood the cross. The day we understood the cross, we said, this is a wrong Jesus being proclaimed in this church. This is a wrong gospel. That is the whole point. The sad part is there are many Christian churches now who are not understanding the cross and the importance of the cross. And so you've got a new church called Chrislam. Which is a combination of Christianity and Islam. What's the holy book that they follow? The Bible and Quran both together. You know why? Because they've not followed what the cross is. They have not really understood what happened on the cross. They are trying to understand it with their own head, with their own wisdom. We need to discern properly. We need to check properly. We hear so many of the preachers that are on television so many of the pastors that preach on television and the internet many of them just by their words you can understand that they have not really understood the cross they have not really understood the cross not at all because if I try to understand with this sort of perspective with a worldly perspective the cross is not going to make sense to me. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Did the world know God? No, the world did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. The world in its wisdom did not know God. The wisdom of the world never understood God. You can't find God through science. You can't find God through technology. You can try and find certain characteristics, some small evidence of him. But you're not going to really encounter him. You're not really going to find him. That happens only by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't find God until and unless you are led by the Spirit. You can't. And when we go out to evangelize, when we go out to tell people about Christ, we've got to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Words are really not going to make sense unless it is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 22. For the Jews request a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. You see, Paul speaks about two groups of people. 
these two groups of people we still find today we still find them today jews and greeks the jews were very religious people they were legalistic they were looking after signs they were looking at wonders they were looking at miracles they wanted to see if somebody could do some big sign then they believed okay that fellow is the messiah but they were religious they were legalistic they were not willing they wanted to they wanted to just follow their daily routine life they were not giving any space for the holy spirit to really work what about the greeks <laughs> the problem today is there are there are too many people who are the product of the greeks what about the greeks the greeks were a people that looked after philosophy if you seen most of the philosophy that is taught around the world comes from greek philosophy most of the philosophy you talk about socrates you talk about plato you talk all of those are greek philosophers you know very strangely if you try to look at the official doctrine of the catholic church and why it says that the wine really changes to real blood and the bread really changes to real flesh it uses a word called transubstantiation you know what transubstantiation is greek philosophy greek philosophy says a lot of rubbish that we have believed in the world today it's because of greek philosophy that we have things like humanism you know what's humanism humanism means man is first god aside man comes first that is humanism it's the biggest evil in the world today humanism where the focus is on man rather than being on god there are gospel songs that are coming out which are humanistic there are churches that are coming up which are humanistic there are organizations which are coming up which are humanistic are the 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 current pope is humanistic the focus is man rather than god and if you read the scripture very carefully you understand that this is going to be the trailer before the antichrist really comes humanism the focus is going to be on man that's what is happening why do countries want to make homosexuality legal because they don't want to hurt anybody man should is more important than god why do countries want to make uh want want to want to stop nuclear wep- weapons or ban nuclear weapons not because it's displeasing to god because man is going to be hurt why do they want to feed the poor charitable organizations have been collecting money for the past 20 30 years to help the poor in africa till today africa is still poor why is it for the past 20 years they are trying to do things about the environment till today the environment is getting from bad to worse why is it for what reason because the focus is not on god 
The focus is on man. If my focus is going to be man instead of God, I'm going to accept anything. It's going to lead to Islam. <laughs> anything. All religions are okay. Everyone is fine. All religions are okay. We have to have peace. 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 And that's why in 1985, Pope John Paul II literally took his place as the Antichrist. You know what he did? He called all the leaders of all the religions together in a place called Assisi. And he had a world religious, the first world religious prayer meeting. Now think about this. The Jews were there, fine. The Buddhists were there praying to Buddha. The Hindus were there praying to Shankar and Shiva and Ganesha. The Muslims were there praying to Allah. The tribals were there praying to their gods. The shamans were there. The voodoo witch doctors were there. The Catholics were there. All praying to their own gods. Now we know that the first six that I spoke about are all praying to demons. Now what are demons doing together with God? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You see? When he did that, he promoted humanism. Man first, God at the side. That's why Martin Luther had said, I am convinced, he said, I am convinced by this one fact. And in fact, it is this one fact that liberates me. This is what it is. The Pope is the Antichrist. No doubt about it. What's the reason? Humanism is promoted above God. Human beings first, God later. And that's why the latest, latest video by Pope Francis brings about Buddhists, Catholics, Hindus, Muslims, all together. And they all say that they believe in their own gods. And he says, you all believe in your own gods, but come together. We have to work together. All of us believe in one God. Buddha is same as Jesus. Jesus is the same as Shiva. These are the words that are being used. We have to open up our eyes and understand. You know what's the problem? The cross. And so Paul says, see what he says. He says, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. Why? Because for the Jews, why did Jesus die on the cross first of all? To bear whose punishment? Yours and mine. Whose redemption was on that cross? Yours and mine. Who was supposed to die on that cross? Me. That's why I keep telling about a preacher who once said, he said, I saw a vision one day. The Lord led me to see a vision one day, he said. And in that vision, I saw the cross, I saw Calvary and I saw the three crosses. And I'm asking the same question that the Holy Spirit asked him. Whose cross is at the center? Whose cross is at the side? The two thieves. Whose cross is at the center? Jesus Christ, right? Jesus died on that cross, fine. 
But when Pontius Pilate interrogated Jesus Christ, who was actually supposed to die? Barabbas. So that preacher said, told the Lord, yes, Barabbas was supposed to die. He said, okay, who was Barabbas? Barabbas was a rebel, a terrorist. And the Lord said, but I thought the word of God says that Jesus died for you. You know what that means? You are Barabbas. We, in the eyes of God, were as much a criminal as Barabbas was. You know what Jesus did? Just took it all away. Cancelled the charge sheet once and for all. And shed his blood that any time we do sin in the future out of ignorance, that is also covered up. Secured our salvation. Gave us a guarantee that we're going to heaven. Gave us a new heart, a new relationship. We cannot depend on Christ and walk by listening to his voice. That is what Christ has done. But if you told this to a Jew, they would say you've gone mad. Don't you know? If you need forgiveness of sins, you have to take a big bull. You have to take a big calf. If you are a small person, if you are not a very rich person, then you can take a small turtle dove. If you are a very big person, if you are the king, you have to take a big bullock, a big bull. If you are a soldier, you can take a goat or a sheep. And you have to go, sacrifice it, drag that animal right up to the top of Mount Zion, kill it, let all the blood be splattered on you, confess your sin, then your sins are forgiven. That is the way. You can't just get forgiveness just like that. You have to do something. And that's why when we preach the gospel, he says to the Jews, to the people who've got this mindset, it's a stumbling block. They can't understand. They can't get it. It's the same thing that the Catholics are in right now. You try to preach the gospel to a Catholic, they can't get it. How can your sins be forgiven completely and you get an assurance of going to heaven without going to purgatory? How is it possible? Not possible, they'll say. It's a stumbling block. And to those who are thinking of philosophy, this is foolishness. But to those who are called, verse 24, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, if we would only understand what happened on this cross, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God was revealed to us. By one sweeping action, your sins were forgiven. By one sweeping action, you became from criminal to king. That is the wisdom of God. From criminal to king. That is the wisdom of God. That is the power of God. From one sweeping action where he took you from being a sinner, forgave your sin and made you king. A person in charge. A person with authority. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God stronger than men. If you looked at Jesus Christ, it seemed foolish. It seemed foolish. Now, Jesus did not look like a, like a posh European man 
that they show around these days. Jesus looked like a simple Jew. A simple Jew. And he said, this man dying on that cross, so miserable, bleeding so profusely. Is it possible that any good will come out of it? That is the reason. That is the point of the cross. Can we all close? Can we all just close our eyes for a second? Father, we thank and praise you, Lord, that you have revealed to us the wisdom of God. By the power of your spirit, Lord. That you have shattered our intelligence, Lord. That we would never understand you with our legalism, Lord. But that you revealed yourself to us because you called us, Lord. You invited us, Lord, to this new life. It may be foolishness to some of the world. It may be a stumbling block to others, Lord. But to us, that cross is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That cross was the trump card that saved us, Lord. And so at this moment, Lord, we just want to stand up, Lord. And thank you, Lord. And praise you, Lord. Because we are shocked, we are stumped, Lord, at your wisdom, Lord, and at your power, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. Praise you, Lord. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This has been foolishness, Lord, to us in the past, Lord. But now it has been wisdom, Lord.